Hey everyone, welcome to the Sunny Go One Piece podcast. Sorry about the lack of a new episode last week. Work has just been a little insane as of late, but I got one out today. So on this episode, we're going to be talking about anime episodes 86 through 88, which will be covering manga chapters 143 through 149. We get to conclude the tragically sad backstory of Chopper and get into the action with the Straw Hats and Chopper facing off against Wapol and his goons. So the synopsis... The final part of Chopper's backstory is explored as Chopper races to find a cure to save Hiroluk while Hiroluk desperately tries to complete his research to save the country's sickness, but ultimately both end in tragedy. Back in the present, it's up to Luffy, Sanji, and Chopper to defend the castle and the country of Drum from the detestable Wapple from regaining his seat on the throne. So the differences, as far as they go, there aren't too many. Mostly, it's just shuffling scenes around, and in the anime, the scenes are a bit more streamlined, so they finish an entire story beat before going back to the other storyline. In the manga, many of the moments are actually cut between back and forth, which I get would be difficult to watch in a TV show format, but it works pretty well in comics. The biggest change that I alluded to uh, last episode is the timing of the flashback. So in the anime, they naturally progress into the flashback while giving you a sense that Kuriha is actually telling Sanji and Nami and us, the audience, the story. But in the manga, the story actually progresses all the way up to where Wapol is already on the mountain with everybody outside facing them. And Luffy is just getting ready to lunge at him and punch him in the face. But just before the impact of his punch, the flashback starts. And then with the punch connecting just as the flashback ends and you come back to the present. I actually like both ways of doing it. The anime version makes more sense in that it has a nice progression and also you have the knowledge that at least Nami and Sanji know the story of Chopper and what he's been through. In the manga, it seems like the narrator is just telling the backstory strictly for us, the audience, and none of the characters in the actual story get to hear it. But it makes for way better dramatic tension and payoff as we want to see Luffy just deck Wapple, but then once we see just how cruel and despicable of a person Wapple really is in the flashback, and then cutting back to that just as we see Hiroluk die and Dalton being thrown in prison, and then you see that panel of Luffy actually landing his massive punch on Wapple after several chapters of waiting is also an incredibly cathartic moment as well. So both are very different ways of approaching it, but they have their advantages and disadvantages, and I actually enjoy both of them. And I really don't know which one I would say I prefer more. I really wish there was a way to combine the two, actually, which would be really cool. So diving into my thoughts on these episodes, I mean, continuing from the last episode, we get to resume Chopper's flashback. Chopper now, with the knowledge that Hiroluk is dying, remembers hearing about a mushroom that could supposedly cure anything and goes searching for it to save the only family he's ever known. And after researching one of Hiroluk's book, he learns of the Amyudake mushroom and believes that this can save Hiroluk. And so Chopper battles the elements as well as through what is believed to be his old herd to get the Amyudake. In particular, one of them is a real dick in that he just won't leave Chopper alone and he keeps attacking him. I mean, talk about a vindictive asshole. I don't know why this reindeer is actually so... so adamant about getting rid of Chopper. It's really weird. And I kind of wish they kind of explored this a little bit more, other than the fact that they're just prejudiced. 
Anyways, meanwhile, at the same time, Hirlik also, knowing he has just days left, is desperately trying to complete his research to heal and save the country of Drum. And after multiple failed experiments and getting frustrated, all of a sudden, Chopper returns to Hirulik all beaten and battered, but with the Amiudak in hand to save Hirulik. And overwhelmed by Chopper's kindness, Hirulik breaks down and embraces Chopper as he mentions that he wants Hirulik to live so he can teach him how to become a doctor himself. And I swear, that moment where Chopper says, please live, please live doctor, like I want to be a doctor, teach me how to be a doctor, gets me every time. I can't help but start tearing up at this part, especially towards the end where Chopper is laughing and crying in that sort of whimpering way. It's just too much. Also on a side note, a little detail here is that if you look at his left antler, it's broken off from his battle with the other reindeer. And if you've noticed in the present day and also from here on out, that antler is held together with a piece of metal and bolts. And it never actually fully heals. It's just sort of piecemeal together. Hiroluk happily drinks the medicine made by the Amiudake, and all of a sudden he sees his research has finally succeeded, and he takes his research to go see Kureha. But I really love that little moment at the end where Hiroluk steps back in just to reassure and guarantee that Chopper will one day become a great doctor as he heads off to see Kureha to ask her a favor to realize his research and to teach Chopper. At Kureha's place, he asks her to carry out his research and treatment for the country as well as teach Chopper to become a doctor. One thing I love about this exchange is Kureha's quick-witted denials and insults towards Hiroluk, especially how she just offhandedly makes fun of him with that line, you've lived a pointless 30 years, thanks thanks for all your hard work. (laughs) Just like, that is so cold, yet she delivers that line in such a as matter-of-fact way, it's pretty funny. True to herself, she gets annoyed at the favor and kicks him out, saying, You should know who you're asking, with Hiroluk affectionately saying, Yeah, I know. We've known each other a long time, and I'm counting on you. I love this multi-layered characterization of Kriha. She is really tough, sometimes harsh, and doesn't like to show vulnerability or emotions, but deep down, she cares deeply and is a kind person in her own ways. I mean, she is a doctor, after all, so... She does care about people, just kind of in a very roundabout way. We cut back to Kriha, and she thinks to herself that it's not like Kiriluk to quit. And I also like to think she wasn't necessarily getting angry at having to do him favors, but more the fact that it seems like he's given up, and it doesn't really seem like him. But she quickly realizes that's not the case, and he's off to do something rather rash. And it cuts to Hiro look, looking like a terrorist <laughs> and goes to the castle to help the Ishii 20, even though it's a trap set by Wapol to lure him and Kureha out so that he can kill the last two doctors that won't side with him. Kureha ends up going to find Hiro look at his place, but instead finds Chopper. And this is another really emotional moment as Chopper reveals to Kureha that he saved Hiro look with the Amudake medicine, but to her horror, she realizes what happened and punches Chopper in frustration, then breaking down and explaining that that mushroom is actually toxic and will kill him in less than half a day. Chopper explaining why he chose that mushroom is also insanely heartbreaking as he misunderstood the book, thinking that the skull and crossbones was a good thing likening it to the pirate flag Hiroluk would always proudly speak of. However, Kureha telling Chopper the brutal truth that he has just sent his only father to his death is just too much. And hearing him wail in pain is just gut-wrenching. And this entire moment is just so sad. I don't know about you, but 
I remember I wasn't all that shocked at this twist that the Amyudake was poisonous for some reason, but it just felt like it was too good to be true, as by this point, I have been conditioned by Oda to know that these flashbacks always end in tragedy, and this was no different. This next moment we're going to talk about is legendary, and to me, is one of the most memorable scenes in the entire series, in my opinion. As sad and tragic as it is, it's one of my favorites because it's also really inspirational, reflective, and very beautiful in a, in a lot of ways. The moment I speak of is at the top of the drum rocky, where Hiruluk is confronting Wapol and his entire army. Hiruluk at this point genuinely believes that the Ishii 20 are all sick and wants to help even though he knows it will put him at risk, but he wants to help because he's that kind of a person. Of course, it's all a trap and the Ishii 20 are fine and Wapol now has Hiruluk in his grasp. Wapol orders his men to execute Hiruluk, but he drops to his knees and instead of fearing for his life, or becoming angry for being tricked, he's actually relieved that everyone is fine and that the country will be okay as it will still have doctors that can treat people. And the reaction from Dalton and the Ishii 20 always struck with me as seeing this man selflessly continue to think of people above everything else, even though his own life's in danger, really affects them all. And the music here is beautiful with that really serene choral song playing in the background to set up one of the most badass moments ever. As Wapo orders his men to fire on Hiruluk, he stops them and declares that they can't kill him and then proceeds to ask them, when do you think a person dies? And I'm actually just going to quote the whole thing because it's incredible. He goes on to say, when he's shot through the chest by a bullet? No. When he's attacked by an incurable disease? No. When he eats a deadly poisonous mushroom soup? No. A man dies... When people forget about him, even if I disappear, my dream will come true. I mean, that quote is like, wow. And even at a young age, this quote affected me. Because I read this probably when I was, I want to say, 12 or 13. And this quote has affected me a lot back then. But now more so than ever, as I've grown older, this quote became more and more impactful to me. As I've now experienced the loss of my dad and my grandma just in the span of the last few years. And this quote hits hard because it's true. Those you love will continue to live on in your memories, in the stories and pictures and the relationships you pass on of them. And this clearly hits Dalton the hardest as Hiruluk looks up and asks, why do you cry, Dalton? And it cuts to Dalton, this hulking soldier of a man, is just breaking down with tears flowing down his face, asking if this can be true of a country as well. And Hiruluk confirms, yes, if there are those willing to pass on, pass it on. And it really shows Dalton's character in that he, above all else, cares deeply about the people and his country. And he's finally seeing just how bad it's gotten. And he's wondering if there's any way to turn it around. And of all the people, Hiruluk is the one that actually shows him that there is still hope and that he needs to do something to try and fix it. In Hiruluk's last moments, he reassures Chopper that he's not going to die by the hands of his mushroom, and epically toasting to a great life and thanking Chopper. This moment will always be an inspiration to me, despite how tragic and bleak it is. And I'll tell you why. Because despite how bad of a person Hiruluk may have been in his early life as a criminal and a thief, he still turned his life around to help people instead. And despite how he may not have been the 
best skilled doctor. He tried his best and was proud of everything he did. And at his moment of death, he had no regrets and lived his life to the best of his abilities. And that's a huge lesson I took from this moment, especially at that particular moment in my life. Just starting high school as a kid who thought he was just a loser who had nothing to offer the world. It showed me that as long as I have a genuine desire to be kind to people, try my hardest no matter how much I suck at whatever it is, and even if I make a bad mistake along the way, I can always learn from it, turn it around to live a life that is without regrets. And I'd like to think that I've done everything in my life up to now with this philosophy in the back of my mind, and many of my decisions have been made with that sort of philosophy. I may be the only one taking such lofty messages from an anime, but One Piece has truly helped me to see the world and myself in a much more positive way. And I truly love this moment as it's had an amazing impact on my life. And it's also one of the reasons why I love this series so much is because there are so many moments like this that sort of really kind of show, at least it shows me a better way to look at life. You know, not necessarily this sort of naive idealistic way but just sort of look at it from a more positive spin however in the next scene we see a massive explosion and Hiroluk dies right in front of chopper as he just arrives a second too late seeing Hiroluk's hat float right in front of him is just too much for him as he goes into a berserker rage charges towards wapple and his army however dalton comes in to stop him but not as an adversary but out of compassion in an emotional scene, Dalton pleads with Chopper not to throw his life away and not to become another casualty of this country's sickness. Seeing the sincerity in Dalton and that he was willing to atone for the fact that everyone laughed at Hirolik's death, Chopper is seen returning back down the mountain with Hirolik's hat. I love at this moment we see Dalton finally become the man we know him in the present. After seeing this man giving his life to save his country, realizing he can no longer sit back and watch it rot and stand up to Wapple this time, Already, we can see Hiroluk's inherited will being passed on not only to Chopper, but to Dalton as well. The theme of inherited will is a big one in One Piece. I'd say it's one of the major ones, and while we've seen examples of it all over the series, this is the first time it's expressed explicitly. I want to go more in depth into this theme, but this episode is already going to run a little long, so I'll wait till the end of the arc to dive deeper into this. Finally, in an incredibly sad moment, we see Chopper waving Hiroluk's flag frantically, pleading with Kuriha to teach him to become a doctor, and that he wants to become the person who can cure anything just like Hiroluk believed. And she accepts and she tells him to call her Doctorine. Reen. I mean, I don't know how you could watch this or read this flashback and not cry. It's just so sad. I mean, even talking about it is kind of getting me a little bit choked up. But it's just, yeah, this backstory is beyond tragic. And the crazy thing is, not to really spoil anything, but Oda is not done with these. Like, he is just getting warmed up because there are some really tragically sad backstories still to come in the series and i'd say we're not going to get to see the most tragic one till like hundreds of episodes later but uh yeah it'll be exciting and sad to talk about that one anyways back to the present we learn that wapple is about to reach the castle and i like that they quickly show off one of chopper's understated abilities it's also a little cliche, but he, him having a heightened sense of smell due to his animal nature and that he can sense Wapple coming. Everyone but Nami meets them outside to defend the castle and get rid of Wapple. This whole section in the beginning of the fight is 
freaking hilarious. And every time I watch this, I laugh my ass off. I mean, between Luffy's offbeat and delayed reactions to Sanji's Tsukomi reactions to, to whatever is just hilarious. Like the entire exchange of Sanji asking if Luffy is cold, then Luffy comes to a sudden realization of something. But instead of the fact that he's cold, he turns and is surprised that Wapo calls himself a king and not a pirate. And then Sanji's face here is absolutely perfect as he breaks the fourth wall, turns to the camera and yells, Sochikayo! Or, that's what you realized? With that derpy, ugly face, it's just so much and I burst out laughing every time. But this joke just keeps on giving. As Chess and Kuromarimo give some serious exposition, it cuts to the four of them not paying any attention to that. And Luffy just now exclaiming, Hey, it's really cold. And Sanji's like, Damn it, I told you. And Chopper also getting in on it, screaming, It's minus 50 degrees out here. <laughs> like, this is so funny for some reason. I, I, I don't know why it's so funny. Like, it seems stupid when you just, like, look at it on paper. But the fact that it's intercut with these, like, more serious moments just make this all hilarious. One criticism, though, I have of this episode is that it wastes a good amount of time showing all the events of the last episode just to pad time, which isn't a big deal right now, but you start to see these stalling and padding techniques creep into the series more and more as it runs, and it kind of ruins the pacing of the story just because they want to keep the the anime from catching up to the manga or else it creates some problems in terms of production. Anyways, getting back to the good stuff, we get some more hilarious hijinks as Luffy runs inside to get a coat. Sanji and Chopper are left outside to defend the castle, and we get a funny Sanji quote here with the Hey, 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 Afro man, throwing an Afro at a lady? What kind of brother soul is that? <laughs> that quote is just absolutely absurd. I know the translation and the subs don't translate it that way, but that's what Sanji actually says in Japanese. And just the absurdity of what's being said here is enough to make me laugh. And then you got the afro balls getting stuck to Sanji. And between him and Chopper comically trying to get them off each other is pretty funny physical comedy. As they're just sort of just throwing it back at each other. And it's just <laughs> they're both freaking out about these afro balls. It's pretty hilarious. As the fight continues, Luffy returns to the battlefield and Wapple decides to use one of the dumbest devil fruit abilities, if you could even, even call it that, where he quote-unquote eats Chess and Kuromarimo and then quote-unquote fuses them into one powerful fighter. It's so freaking stupid, but I appreciate that it's that's the joke. And even Sanji points out that <laughs> the fact that they're just on each other's shoulders but Luffy is in absolute awe of the awesomeness while Sanji yelling at Luffy and Sanji's reaction are again comically hilarious as he's like, what is awesome about that? And then Wapo tries to blow up Hirulik's flag and Chopper attacks to stop him. But we get to see another core character trait of Chopper and that's his extreme kindness. He's a doctor first and foremost. He heals and if he can help it, he doesn't want to hurt anyone even if it's a man he absolutely detests. And Wapple doesn't deserve one bit of compassion, but Chopper is such a good person, he gives him a chance. Obviously, Wapple wastes that chance because he's an ass. Luffy seeing the pirate flag without knowing whose it is, he understands that it's there for a reason and goes up to protect it and what it stands for. Luffy knows that true pirates who raise that flag do it with conviction and have put their lives on the line for a goal or a cause. At this point, Luffy has had enough shit from a guy who thinks pirates are a joke 
and pisses all over the very pride of a pirate. I love that the moment where he yells at them, they palpably actually feel Luffy's will and are pushed back by it and his anger as well here. And it's a very interesting thing I kind of want to talk about a little bit more in the spoiler section. Chopper seeing this side of Luffy realizes that this is what Hirolook meant when he talked about pirates. And I think it's at this point he's really starting to think that he may want to go with Luffy. And we see later Chess and or Chess Marimo now mock Chopper that he can't do anything alone. And we of course with every new crew member story arc, we get the theme of the Nakama with Chopper stating that even if he doesn't have any Nakama, he can still fight as long as he's got Dr. Hiroluk's flag. However, Luffy cuts him off as he rockets his way back down and declares, he's got a Nakama, he's my Nakama. And we all know by now how much I love these moments. Luffy already considers Chopper a Nakama and will fight to the death for him. Obviously, this is a significant moment for Chopper as it's the first time an outsider has really accepted him and called him a Nakama. And I love the extra little detail and extension that this moment gets in the anime, as opposed to the manga where it's kind of glanced over slightly. Once we get to the meat of the action, Sanji is hilariously down for the count as he hasn't yet fully recovered from his injuries and Dr. Kriha does the doctor stop and kicks him in the back, which is funny in and of itself because Sanji, his back is what's actually hurt and so his spine is injured and yet Kriha actually kicks him in the spine to stop him. And it's just, the irony of that is just pretty funny. But Luffy then leaves Chess Marimo to Chopper as Luffy is set to take on Wapple. The rest of this episode, we get a showcase of Chopper and his combat abilities. His fight with Chess Marimo is pretty fun, not so much for its tension, as the stakes and uncertainty of this fight is almost non-existent. Like, we know where they're going to win. Both of them are really weak. But like Luffy, seeing Chopper use his unique Devil Fruit ability is really fun and interesting due in large part to his rumble ball which is a special drug that chopper has synthesized to enhance his devil fruit abilities we learn for the first time that there are types of devil fruits and the ones that allow you to acquire the power of animals like chopper and dalton are called zone types and normally they have three forms like mentioned earlier but with the rumble ball chopper has created four new forms bringing him to a total of seven that he can use for three minutes this does bring up the question, what other types of fruits are there? What categories do they all fall into? And especially, like, what category does Luffy's fall into? We'll find out more about the devil fruits a bit more later, but it's cool that we're finally getting into a little bit of the lore of the devil fruits and just how the mechanics of them work. Of course, I know all of this, you know, because it's already been brought up in the story. I'm sure there's still a lot more I... I that have yet to be discovered or revealed about the devil fruits even at my point in the story uh but it is pretty cool and i can't wait to talk about them because we've seen pretty much all the forms at this point at least a version of a form on each one getting back to chopper in addition to the three we know of his walk point heavy point and brain points which are his deer, human, and hybrid forms respectively, we get to his jumping point, which enhances his agility and jumping abilities, his guard point, which covers him in a thick ball of fur, increasing his defense, and finally his arm point, which increases his arm strength, obviously. <laughs> I love this whole section as Luffy is just awestruck by the coolness of Chopper's rumble ball abilities and completely forgets to even fight Wapple. And I particularly love the whole joke 
of Luffy expecting a beam to come out when Chopper uses his scope ability and Sanji yelling in the background, why would it be a beam? Like, what the hell kind of a beam would come out of there? <laughs> Luffy's absolute conviction that it's going to be a beam is just too funny. <laughs> it's, it's so funny to just hear them argue back and forth. I, and that's another thing I love about this uh, arc is that since we didn't get to see a lot of Sanji in Little Garden, we've actually just condensed it down to Chopper, the new Nakama, as well as Luffy and Sanji, who was essentially missing, while we leave out the remaining others that we did see a lot of in Little Garden being Vivi, Nami, Usopp. And, and it's kind of cool that we kind of get to balance it out with Sanji. Of course, there's no beam that ends up coming out, and the fight ends with Chopper finding Chess Marimo's weakness and defeating him. But if you'll notice, we only actually get to see six forms of the seven, and the seventh one isn't revealed till a later story arc. And I honestly didn't even notice this when I first read through this story, that we were actually missing a form for some reason. I just It just never occurred to me to even count. I just assumed that all seven were shown. And yeah, the seventh form actually doesn't show up until later. Obviously, I'm not going to mention it for spoiler reasons, but yeah, it's very interesting that that they don't show off all of his abilities, even though they meant, uh, you know, make a big deal out of the fact that there are seven of them, but they only show off six of them here. And then right at the end, there's a really cute moment here where Chopper's blushing at the fact that Luffy called him a nakama. And I really like this scene. I don't really have much more to say on it other than the fact that I just thought it was really cute. And then to kind of finish up, there's a whole second storyline where Usopp and the others rescue and treat Dalton with the help of the Ishii 20. But the moment I want to mention, and because it's so funny, is the moment where Dalton is trying to make his way up to the castle to stop Wapple and Usopp offers to carry him. But Usopp can't carry him because he's so weak and Dalton is so damn huge. And he's just struggling to drag Dalton up the mountain. And then Zoro just comes in out of nowhere, not understanding the scenario or the situation. All he knows is that they need to get this man up the mountain. And so Zoro just comes up, picks up this hulking man with one arm, gets him on his shoulder, and upstages Usopp. And then Usopp gets pissed off. And he's just running up to Zoro, just kicking him because he's so angry that he took his moment. <laughs> I don't know. This scene just cracks me up so much. But with that, it brings these three episodes to a conclusion. Now, these three episodes were a roller coaster of emotions with incredible sadness, hilarious comedy, and fun action. It certainly makes for some great watching, despite the unintimidating nature of Wapple as a villain himself. And so the stakes are never really all that high. But for some reason, these episodes are still really fun to watch because I think that's not the focus of this arc. It's more of the characters and the comedy and the emotional nature of all these episodes it just still makes them really fun to watch now next episode we'll obviously wrap up the drum island arc and see one of my favorite and most heartfelt moments of the entire series so i can't wait to watch that and talk about it i hope that i can get that episode out within the next week but again my work is still really busy right now so i'm not sure if it may take me an extra week to get that episode out but Hopefully, there is no delay. If you enjoyed this, send me a like or comment. And if you want to join me on this journey of rewatching One Piece, consider subscribing. Uh, you can obviously check out my Instagram and Twitter account at Podcast if you want updates of when I post new episodes. And as always, I wanted to thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast and stay tuned for the spoiler section. Now, this episode is rather long, so I'm going to really blast through the spoiler section. But there's just a couple things I wanted to mention. 
So, yeah. But if not, thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Alright, so spoiler sections. Just a couple things. One thing I wanted to mention was when Luffy yells at Wapple and Kuromarimo and Chess about not laughing at Hiroluk's flag, and the visible, like, physical reaction that they both have to Luffy yelling at them, I almost feel like this is unintentionally or intentionally like a precursor to Conqueror's Hockey. Like, it's obviously not developed to the point where he can knock them out like he does in the modern day, but it's it's interesting how it's shown and just how physically they're actually affected by Luffy yelling at them to the point where it's like, you wouldn't think Wapple would be someone that would be affected by the words themselves, but I feel like, yeah, this might be a little bit of Haki. Now, it could also just be dramatic effect at the fact that he, you know, Oda wanted to convey the fact that these words carry a lot of weight and thereby showing Chopper just what real pirates and what their conviction is like. Um, and so, yeah, it could be either or. I mean, I, I I honestly think that it's probably the latter and it's not so much of a hockey, but I feel like, you know, retroactively, this can be seen as sort of like a precursor to hockey, especially the Conqueror's hockey. Now, the second thing I wanted to talk about is obviously the missing form in this section. So obviously it's hyped up that there are seven forms through Chopper's Rumble Ball, but we only get to see six. And I still kind of like wonder to myself, how the hell did I not miss, or how did the hell did I not know that there was only six shown here? I think going back, I think it's because of the fact that they give Brain Point so much uh, emphasis, but Brain Point is literally just his normal form. And and it's just like, oh, that's the seventh form. And then you think, okay, so Brain Point and then his hybrid form are two different things. But really, Brain Point and the hybrid are the same thing. But the fact that, yeah, we don't get to see Horn Point, which is the seventh form, until Alabasta. And, I mean, that reveal is great. I love that they saved the seventh form for the climax of his fight against uh Miss Merry Christmas and Mr. Four along with Usopp and they used the horn point to defeat uh, Miss Merry Christmas is pretty cool. And so I'm glad that they, um, you know, they left that on the table for, for future use. And then obviously, you know, post time skip Chopper gets even more forms. He has his monster point and then he, once, you know, he has the, um, the Kung Fu point, which... Uh, I'm a little mixed on about the Kung Fu point, but we'll talk more about that when we get to that point in the series. But yeah, I just wanted to mention that that the horn point isn't actually going to be shown for like at least another 30 episodes until we get to the end of, uh, towards the end of the climax in Alabasta. But yeah, those are really the only two things I wanted to talk about. So yeah, thanks for listening and I will see you on the next episode. See ya. See ya.